This is episode nine of Quest Rewind. Welcome everybody to this classic throwback adventure where for the past couple of weeks, we've talked a lot about the Xbox 360 from its problems with the Red Ring of Death to the initial reveal at the uh, E3 2005 Microsoft press conference with a silver bag because the future was then, the future is still now because this console, whether you were a PS3 gamer or 360 or something, we can't forget about the fact that the Xbox 360 was very, uh, very important in the grand scheme of video game history. So today we'll be talking about some of the top or best games from that console. When you think about the Xbox 360, we all have those images, right? We associate some games for the PS1 with uh, like a Crash Bandicoot or Spyro. What's that with the Xbox 360? We will be doing that with yours truly, Juan from Puerto Rico. I'm Ryan from Boston. And I'm Keith from London, Ontario, Canada. And uh, we had talked about the fact that we didn't really get this console at launch. And I can't really say I played... I think I played the Xbox 360 more now, like after the fact, after the Xbox One came out. But I was an avid gamer for a couple of years. But for you guys, even if you didn't play them, when you thought about the console and it was all about, oh, kind of like Super Mario 64, that's what you get the N64 console what was that for the Xbox 360 in your guys' opinion? When I think of the Xbox 360 and I have to think of one game, I don't think there is any game that just fit that Xbox 360 kind of labeled the top more than Modern Warfare 2. I just feel like that is the ultimate. If you were to think of just like a, in a, a case for an Xbox 360 game, for some reason for me, I just think of Modern Warfare 2. And now, obviously, we had Call of Duty starting with, what, Call of Duty 2 on on the 360? I think we yeah, saw that in yeah. the E3 episode. But really, Modern Warfare 2, I think, was for a lot of people, like, the like Modern Warfare was a big deal for multiplayer. But I think Modern Warfare 2 is, like, the pivotal bro gamer game that defined the system. See, I agree, but... I almost didn't want to say it because really the first thing I think about, because Modern Warfare 2 is also the game that comes to mind for me, but it's specifically no Russian. <laughs> that makes me think of like, that is the pivotal thing that I think of when it comes to the Xbox 360 gaming. Like multiplayer is its own amazing thing. I loved multiplayer Modern Warfare 2 and I played a ton of it on the 360, but when we talk about like the big stamp that the Xbox 360 left on the ind industry, it was that first time that maybe they went a little too far with Call of Duty stuff and that no Russian mission specifically. And it's the first image that comes to mind when you say, like, name your top 360 game. That's I go right to no Russian. I don't know what that says about me, but. Is that the last time people talked about the campaign mode for, for a Call of Duty game? Maybe I'm wrong there. I think if anything, it really said how, you know, for. For so many people, they say, oh, you play Call of Duty for the multiplayer. But at least in my case, like I was all about the single player and I love to play the multiplayer. Like, I think that's a very iconic game. But it was that thing that it wasn't a 20 hour campaign. Usually it was five to eight hours. It didn't overstay its welcome. It was always fluid. Like we talked about this a, a few episodes ago. 
even the worst Call of Duty game from a mechanical standpoint is great, right? Or it is at least mm-hmm. good. But here we have it. It's like Modern Warfare 2, man. I don't think you can do a whole lot better. And uh, one game I did have to bring up because, and, and this is where Keith and I really come up. This is where we bonded a lot is uh, Gears of War, particularly the second one, because I had yeah, mentioned... Gears 2. Yeah. Uh, the uh, first game, I never played it at launch, right? But it was always that one game that I looked at and I said, I'm a PS3 gamer. Damn it, I got to get that damn Xbox console. It is just freaking amazing looking. And then I remember I got this game with the... Uh, it was like the triple pack. It came with Gears 1, an expansion, and this... I never actually played the Gears One or the expansion, but man, I enjoyed the <laughs> hell out of this game because right now we're, we're watching some gameplay for the uh, YouTube version and it still looks awesome. And this is gameplay from 2011. W- what do you guys think about Gears of War 2 or, or Gears of War in general and the 360? It is definitely a cornerstone of the 360. It was l- l- like you won. It was a game that I saw as a PS3 owner and wish I could play it. It was still that time where you would go over to friends' houses to play video games, and I would go over to my friend's house that had an Xbox 360 and try out Gears 1 multiplayer and was totally blown away by this because even though it's kind of a joke now, the gray, like, <laughs> sapiotone yeah, shooters. The footage right now that, uh, for those... They the just lower the, the saturation. Version, it is, like, the game looks beautiful, but it is straight gray and nothing yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> but, but back when Gears came out, and even to the point of Gears 2, that was still kind of novel not everybody had done that yet we were we were entering in that direction but it was still something that wasn't like a meme at that point and they looked really cool at that point like the gun chainsaws the big bros with the do rags of steel just ripping people's <laughs> head offs and kicking their kicking their heads right through their buttholes and all of those great execution kills gears of war ruled and then when i finally got my 360 a few years into the uh, the console that was around the time that gears 2 was coming out so for me that was a no brainer pickup that Juan and i ended up playing the entire campaign of and it's one of my favorite game memories to this day it really is Gears of war yeah it's certainly an important game and although i never owned a 360 this is one of those games that i did go to a friend's house and we played the co-op gears of war and it's a lot of fun and it was a big innovator for games and we can make jokes about like to steal the joke from the zero punctuation reviews way back in the day about how everything in Gears of War is made of chest-high walls so that you can hide behind everything. (laughs) Um, It did bring about, like, cover shooters as being a popular thing. We saw that get adopted in other games, like Grand Theft Auto 4 adopted the cover shooting system after we saw, you know, we've done past reviews on Grand Theft Auto games. The shooting was horrible, and it took mechanics from Gears of War to make it actually decent in the future Grand Theft Auto games. So it really brought about a lot of uh, new games adopting that system, a lot of older games even upgrading their combat system to emulate Gears of War. I love that you mentioned that about the uh, chest high walls because, you know, we will be talking about Mass Effect 2. We kind of just talked about the fact that that is going to be our final review. And something that I think about 
with games like that. Uh, Tomb Raider from the reboot is when you walk into a room and no wall is higher than like four and a half feet, you're like, oh, here we go, people. Yep. Time for another combat yep. scene. It's fight time. Maybe. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like Uncharted, it's the same thing with like all those games, you know? Yeah, this it's, is part it's of amazing it. what happens in a long, narrow hallway with lots of corners, lots of like chest walls. You just, bad things happen in there. That's just part of it. And for everybody watching and listening, uh, as we mentioned, we do have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash quest rewind. So you can definitely subscribe there. If you're on the podcast apps, we really just love any kind of love and support. So you can drop that five-star review. I believe you can even review now on Spotify. Usually it's Apple Podcasts yeah, and all that stuff. That's a thing now. Spotify Finally, has ratings. About I freaking that time. I stumbled onto that the other day. And yeah, sure enough, if uh, if you love what we do, you can go on Spotify now and give us a, give us a thumbs up out of five. Indeed. I'll let you decide what that number is, but <laughs> thumbs a thumbs up, up out, out of five. five. <laughs> Thumb, thumbs up out of five. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is the blur. That is the snippet from the newspaper article. And then we also have the uh, Discord. The link right there is on the description. So I thought it would be cool to just go on a quick trip down memory lane just to whet our appetite about the Xbox 360 and all that stuff. And here I have the highest rated games on Metacritic. And this is just a quick at a glance. And then we can think about like, is that what we associate with with the Xbox 360, or do we think there are other games that should definitely be a part of this conversation? So just glossing quickly, I got to start at number 14, just because I feel like that is Modern Warfare 2. It's actually at number 14. Okay. Number 13. Now, this is a game where I feel like one of you two got to talk about it, because I never played this. I, I've actually never played Halo 3, people. So Halo... We mentioned a lot about the significance of Halo 1 and 2 on the OG console. What's your guys' take on the third one on the 360? I mean, it was just a little franchise that ended up on the Xbox eventually, and there was no hubbub about it, and everybody just kind of moved on with their life. No, Halo, Halo 3, absolutely. That was when Halo was at its like peak fandom. Like we, we did get a few more Halo games on the 360, but it that you could kind of see the decline there. I would go as far as saying that Crackdown is one of the most important or top Xbox 360 games just because it came with the Halo 3 demo. Like there is a legion of people that went out and bought Crackdown just so they could play the Halo Smartest 3 Smartest marketing tactic and it's ever. <laughs> insane how smart that is. And Crackdown, you know, ended up being a pretty good game. So it worked out for people like me that did that. But just the... Like like we mentioned in our previous episode, the bro gamer, quote unquote, really started and the, the Xbox fan, the identity of them really started with Halo 3 and the marketing campaign that went around it and just the the promise that was delivered on finally with the Halo 3 multiplayer because yes there was online multiplayer with Halo 2 but that was when it was still at the cutting edge and with Halo 3 they got to the point where like okay we we, we got this figured out now we're just going to make a real good one of these and that's exactly what they did the the campaign in Halo kind of is what it is it's fun it's really fun to do uh, with friends and go through the the missions with different skulls and stuff but the story has never been my cup of tea so i wouldn't say it's bad it's just 
you're you're it's another one of those games where you're going to for the multiplayer and i think that's really going to be a common theme as we go through this episode it was part of the generation it it 100 percent was part of the generation and for the first time really as a core selling feature of the console a lot of these games you go to for the multiplayer and it's just a nice treat when the single player is good along with it and halo 3 is a great example of that Halo 3 is, I think, the last Halo game I played, but I only played a little bit of it. But obviously, people speak very highly of it. I th- The only thing I really have to add to it is I know, although Halo 3 is definitely very fondly remembered, just browsing like gaming reddits and like kind of nostalgia stuff, I think a lot of people also think that peak Halo on the 360 was that halo odst um yeah a lot of people do Always speak very highly of that. that uh and i just remember the commercials they were they were showing those commercials all the time but um i'm not sure what it was with that uh, was it like kind of like an add-on or like a dlc or something i forget what it, it was, was uh but. it was an arcade game it was a downloadable game it was kind of like uh it, it was a more story focused halo experience so yeah it's it wasn't of the master chief it was kind of it was almost like a crime scene investigation which is cool where you play as different odst orbital what is it orbital drop shock troopers odst and uh members and then you just like relive their stories kind of and it it was it was a fun little game just you know it's one of those instances where it wasn't my halo when three being my halo hashtag not my halo hashtag not my halo (laughs) a a quick a quick my halo story just to show how uh how deep i got into halo 3 i uh this was really like the last game in the phase of my life where I would stay up all night at a friend's house playing games where I did this multiple times with Halo. You know, you have everybody has that one friend that was just very, very good at Halo and would just take names when you were playing online and then it got to the point where we were playing so much one night that like i just progressively got better and better and better and was able to match him after a good like 10 hours of straight play it was uh it's one of my uh best gaming moments and proof that i played way too much halo back in the day that was also another staple when you think about the xbox 360 it wasn't just a matter of multiplayer kind of going with uh, the achievements and the gamer scores and all that. It truly was, I don't just want to play. I want, I want to be the best there. I want to be, Hey, you know, we played all night and for that you had to pour hours. I mean, I got to a point where I was damn good at modern warfare one and two, but I don't have that availability now. Right. I don't have just the, the eight, nine hours of energy and then maybe sleeping an hour to go to college in my case at that point, and it's just one of those things that it really just, yeah, <laughs> I, I can understand why kids now when they play Fortnite and I feel really old saying this, you'll see them be amazing. It's like, yeah, they actually have the time, which we sometimes don't. And one game I feel like I got to bring up is Oblivion because we mentioned the, blo- the bloomy graphics, right? Let, let's, let's forget about the graphical part. Something, and this is where you can really see, and I would love to get your feedback first, Keith. You can see a real split of when people started playing games, let's say on the PS4 generation forward with like Breath of the Wild and people back. Because 
Oblivion to me was the first game that truly was open world in that you go out and you can go wherever. If you want to kill this person and suffer the consequences, you do you. You want to do the side quest, you do you. There are other games that gave you choices, but really they were still linear. Here, I felt overwhelmed that, holy crap, this legitimately is up to me. If I just want to walk around for hours and talk to NPCs and progress nothing in the story, but I'm still having a blast with like the Brotherhood and, and all this other stuff, Oblivion for, for not its graphics, but for the gameplay and the decision making. And I know a lot of this did come from Morrowind, but Oblivion was my first time. I was blown away and I still get upset that people kind of credit Breath of the Wild now for that. I don't think we would have Breath of the Wild were not for Oblivion and Elder Scrolls. What say you, Mr. Hammy? Well, I'm glad you mentioned Morrowind because I imagine there is at least a few people out there screaming at you saying, (laughs) everything you just said was in Morrowind. That's why I said this was (laughs) my first, people. This was my first. And and I'm with you where Oblivion was my first experience with that. And I agree with everything you said. Just even though there was like that jank, that Bethesda jank was in full force when it came to Oblivion. Hell yeah. Uh, when it first came out, it, it was something very special. It was that vast open world where you could do anything. You could... It pulled you in a lot of different directions, depending on what kind of uh, what kind of character you played. Like you could go the mage path, you could go the thief path, you could uh, join the Brotherhood of Darkness. Like the game was pushing you forward in a bunch of different quest lines, but everything you did was like it was your choice. You could you could skip that entire thing. You could skip entire quest lines. You could get a hundred hours out of that game and not even touch the main story. And I have done that on multiple characters in that game. And that's what I think the magic of Oblivion is. It really opened a world up and created choice inside of it. You could, you you don't have to steal that cheese wheel from the man in the city, <laughs> but if, if you want that cheese wheel, the boy, you can there. get that cheese wheel. Exactly. And yeah, like, like you mentioned, I, it really paved the way for games like Breath of the Wild. It, the same way that GTA copied Gears, I imagine if... Um, Morrowind and Oblivion didn't set that path forward for games like Breath of the Wild, it would have just stuck to the same was getting boring formula. And it really just opened things up into this new generation. Yeah, with the Elder Scrolls series, I think that that large amount of freedom has it's been there for a while, even back to like Daggerfall, which was the second one, I believe. But it's always been a little rough around the edges and kind of stayed as like this more niche type of game. But Oblivion, I think, was like really the first one where it was like a mainstream success and it started opening up more than just kind of like that that fan base that was already there for it, where I think Oblivion was the first one to really introduce it to a lot more new fans to become fans of the Elder Elder Scrolls series. And I think a lot of people might say like, Although Skyrim today is just remembered for being this amazing game, um, as each entry to Elder Scrolls has happened, I do think there's been kind of like restrictions along the way. And some people might argue, even though I've not personally played Oblivion, I've heard a lot of people say that like, oh, you could do more things in Oblivion or they limited this. Or I've they even limited heard that. that about Morrowind. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. It, like as they've gone along, they've had to tighten things up to maybe improve some other things. And so that was going to be my point. <laughs> yeah. So Oblivion might be that sweet spot for a lot of people that they might enjoy it more than Skyrim. But yeah, Oblivion was that was like the first time the Elder Scrolls was like a game I was considering getting into. I had heard about Morrowind and all that all that it was about, but I was kind of like, eh, it doesn't really interest me. Um, but I didn't actually really get into the series until Skyrim. But to continue the conversation of Bethesda on the 360, like I really think this is when Bethesda games were at their best. Like it started with Oblivion, then we got Fallout 3, which is one of the greatest games ever as far as I'm concerned. They they tweaked that Oblivion formula a little bit and turned it into a more gun-focused wasteland experience. And Fallout 3, I is the best one in my opinion i have heard a lot of cases otherwise but i still think fallout 3 is the best one and then we eventually got skyrim which again took new that vegas formula as well and new vegas exactly even though that was like kind of a spin-off game Ooh, it was a lot of people Beth- say Bethesda that's the best Light. one a lot of people Th- say new true. vegas is the best one but that's an obsidian game i believe and not a like it was like a bethesda esque game yeah and then we got that we got far fallout 4 we got skyrim like the bethesda formula really shined in the xbox 360 generation and some of their best work as far as i'm concerned so much so that they're still releasing skyrim today (laughs) that's pretty much the case and always a sign of whenever you have a formula that's so good it's difficult to top yourself. And they did it twice in the same generation for better or worse. And this generation, I think, kind of was like a oblivion. The technology, I think, finally matched the presentation, even though it wasn't perfect. But another game, you know, we brought up Gears of War as another game that you look at that and my thought is you would never make that happen on the PS2 or the Xbox. Just technologically speaking, it's a dream. You would have to make a lot of sacrifices. Another series that I think will be very similar is the Batman Arkham games, just because those are other games you will look at and say, this is this is the leap in the generation. I think one of the biggest complaints people have when you shift from one generation to another is, eh, that game looks like it could happen on the previous one. And we're still seeing that, right? It's always that challenge. And it's not until you see something like this, the 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 presentation, the animation, the the gameplay, the variety that you say, we've truly made a leap. On the uh, Metacritic thing, Batman Arkham City is the one that's listed in the top 10 at number nine with a 94. Now, I played B- Batman Arkham Asylum, and from the voiceover to the presentation, it truly was, it wasn't just a, a Batman IP that they slapped on a game. It truly did feel like I was playing Bruce Wayne, Batman. I mean, the freaking voice acting alone is worth the price of admission. Uh, what did you guys think about those games? Have you played any of them on the generation? I'll, I'll leave this one to Keith because I oh, have okay. not. <laughs> I have it. It's a one of my gaming sins. I've not played any of those Batman games. You got to make it happen. You got to make it happen. You need to make that happen. They are so good. I I played Arkham Asylum on the PS3, so in my head, I associate it with that. But it's one of those experiences where you're sitting there and you can't believe what you're playing. It is so good. You know, like you get lost in a game and time just kind of slips away. That was my experience when I played Arkham Asylum for the first time. 
and somehow Arkham City made it even better for me. They took everything great about Arkham Asylum, turned it into an open world, and then just doubled down on the characters, doubled down on the um, on the interactions. If the Joker is your thing, this is like one of the best Joker stories to happen in a video game. And in some aspects, they maybe went a little too far, like those thousand riddle trophies or whatever you had to get in Arkham City. That was a bit too much, but just everything is so good about Arkham City to the point where like it even has the best post credits as far as I'm concerned. There's no post credit scene or anything like that. This was before then, but just when the credits are playing in that game, it is one of my favorite moments in a game ever. And oh god, yeah. If if you haven't played Arkham City, go just do that. Experience it. Play Asylum play city you can skip origins you can skip arkham knight they kind of lose the thread after these one like after those but and those they also two had a side-scrolling just... 2d one called blackgate or something which was on vita and pc never played that yeah but... don't worry about that one it's probably a piece of trash if it was on the vita but at hey, least play... hey, <laughs> hey hey whoa whoa throwing that vita shade but yeah if like if there are games that you are thinking about listening to this list, like I need to go check those out, put the two Arkham games on the top of that list. I think the most mind blowing thing for me was the scope from one game to another, because the first one, Batman Arkham Asylum, as the name implies, it's, it's very constrained, but, but by design, it, it is where you mm-hmm. are. That with City is, hey, this is legit now, just what you like what you liked about the first game i i didn't play a lot of the second one but this is actually around the time where i met my wife who was my friend just getting to become a girlfriend and this was the first game where she would always be playing it and i would just be sitting there looking at that going holy crap just how did they take that small element from asylum and expand it to the entire world i do think they tried to triple down with uh, at arkham knight with like the batmobile I think it is like uh, people say too much birthday cake when you want to give people so much that you think they want. You're like, no, you know what? I'm actually perfectly okay getting this in as good a shape as possible. So I that's, think a that's a really good analogy for exactly what Arkham Knight is. Because y- you had a good portion of cake when you ate City and you were left feeling good about it. But with Knight, they went for that second slice. And you know, when you eat too much uh, cake and halfway through that second slice, you just feel like crap. That's exactly second what Arkham slice. Knight I'm like did. by fourth before that happens, dude. What the <laughs> hell? Well, you're a monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or make bigger slices of cake. I don't know what to tell you, but it's one of the two. Yeah, it's relative to the size. But another game. This is number eight. And I feel like we got to not just talk about Portal 2. Here it's at number eight with a score of 95. Just talking about Portal. This this came to us originally from the Orange Box, which Would the 360 you, uh... and the PC had the best versions. The PS3 had a version which i own and it runs technically yeah yeah it was portal was, not was great. fine i thought portal was fine on the ps3 yeah P- portal ran like was, there was one part was that good. dropped a little bit but it was all right would you uh would you consider portal 2 a triumph oh would absolutely you make a note here of a huge success Keith is doing the key thing you're doing would the key it thing be hard to <laughs> overstate your satisfaction right in your case like uh 
Portal as a whole, you you mentioned you played at least the first one. Not sure if you did the second one. What did you think about these games that really were just, I'm not going to say tech demos, but I don't think anybody expected Portal to be the, the defining thing of the Orange Box generation, let alone getting an actual sequel. Yeah, it, it's not necessarily something I like directly associate with the 360, but you know, it was an important game for that era. And Portal was super fun. It was just this nice little game that they threw in there as a bonus, but it ended up being the thing that was talked about the most and had its own memes as Keith was alluding to the song at the end. Painfully, yeah. And then Portal 2 comes out and really takes things to the next level. I still kind of, when it comes to like the story, I I just like the nice little story that the first one was. Um, But I, I do think the second one was a fun story as well. And I do like some of the mechanics that they added to the game with like the the those like gels or whatever, like that were on the mm-hmm. floor. Like one was like a bounce one, I think, and one made you go like super fast, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a long time since I played it, but the, it was really like, here's what like just taking everything to the next level. And, you know, we haven't seen a portal game since, but it's like I feel like they did everything they needed to do with with portal um and those two games are pretty much perfect the way that they are yeah i agree i i don't really associate it with an xbox 360 because like you guys mentioned the orange box was passable with the um on the consoles but it was it was really a pc game and i got hoodwinked into buying portal 2 for the ps3 because of that promise that they were bringing steam to the ps3 through portal 2 that they did literally nothing with after the game came out so i i never i never picked this up for the 360 it did but run okay this one ran fine for me on the ps3 mm-hmm. yeah by by that point when we got to portal 2 and all that i do feel people figured out the console but despite that people always felt more safe if if it was a multi-platform game the xbox 360 was generally the better option yeah yeah so that happened a lot so we can keep talking about the list i'm just curious there's games that are not going to show up in this top 10, right? You know, one game that I know Keith and I in particular are very fond of, even though I played it on the PS3, I also own a 360 version is Osiris Wrath, which has become one of the most expensive games to buy for either console. It's uh, it's made by Capcom, I believe it is, and I don't even yep. know how to explain it. It's I a, was about to ask you, how would you explain Azura's Wrath it's other a, than... It's a galactic, quick-time-event-driven <laughs> narrative action game. Where you fight a planet where, through yeah, quick-time events? You literally, you don't even... You do fight people in a planet, but eventually you can literally fight a planet. The, the mm-hmm. planet can become the actual enemy. And I, I'm just <laughs> like, going to leave it at that. I think, okay, let me try this one. Imagine anime was like, yo, you took it a little too far. (laughs) That's kind of what Azura's Wrath is. It's just like, if you injected Dragon Ball Z with Dragon Ball Z steroids, that's what you would get. (laughs) You would get Azura's Wrath. It's just the most, (laughs) you really need to just see it to believe it. It's really, 
impossible to explain other than it's just the most anime ass anime you've think, ever seen it's, it's, like, something great. it's like if uh you like if you guys ever seen those clips of like the bollywood movies with just like insane action stunts that are yes. just completely impossible so maybe it's like you mix a bollywood action movie with anime and and maybe that that helps paint a picture it really would be take a, yeah. a crazy looking dragon ball z episode and turn that thing up 10. It doesn't start like that, but there's games like that for, for you guys. What are other games that you're thinking that's not going to show up in the top 10 just because it's maybe not the best game, but it is something that when you think about the console, it definitely comes to mind for you. So I don't know if Dead Rising is on the top 10, but to me... I should look that up. The, or the top 12, whatever number we're on at this point. It is nowhere on there. <laughs> okay, then nowhere Dead, on there. Dead Rising is my pick because this was a game that it had parts of it that were really clunky, but the bones were good. Like it had a very good idea of, hey, we're going to take this Dawn of the Dead. You're trapped in a mall with a bunch of zombies and we're going to just let you do whatever you want to do. Just kill a bunch of zombies in any way you want. You're in a mall. You have access to all these weapons. It's a golf club, a shovel, whatever, a vehicle in the parking lot, run over a bunch of zombies. Like It was just your playground for killing zombies. And that idea is amazing and incredibly fun. But then the actual story of the game and the actual like mission structure of only having this set time limit. And, I cannot stand that. Yeah, I the get bosses, why that was there. I get yeah. it. But yeah, exactly. Like, they have I this cannot. set time limit, and the actual like missions of the game were like brutally difficult. There was like escort missions that were super annoying, and the bosses of this game are like so ridiculously tough. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't be a single boss unless you found a way to just like cheese the crap out of them because if you tried to take them straight on you were gonna just die so so fast so it was like it had a ton of room for improvement but like i said the bones were super good and even if like the rest of the game was crap just being able to run around and take down zombies was enough fun to keep you busy for a long time yeah, it's weird because it's easy to forget that Dead Rising was a run-based game where you you had to hit your marks, and if you wanted the best ending, you needed to do all those escort quests and make sure you were in the right place at the right time. But honestly, I think that's one of the worst ways to play Dead Rising. <laughs> like, just going around and starting your run and maybe taking on a psychopath, seeing all the fun ways that you can interact with zombies and killing them because i really think that's what makes dead rising special the fact that it's not just your axes and your guns and your machetes and your typical zombie killing weapons you start throwing in things like in there like uh mannequins and street signs and plants and they kept the getting point... more outrageous with the other games by dead rising yeah. 3 holy crap yeah Exactly. The whole thing about Dead Rising 2 was that you were like a carpenter and you could like makeshift weapons together and it was awesome. And then it always had these like bonus weapons. I think 
if you get the highest zombie killing achievement, you unlock the Mega Buster from Mega Man that you could use on zombies, and that was always fun to do. It was just... It was... For a game that's just about killing zombies and those are a dime a dozen, they found a very fun way to make it unique. And Dead Rising absolutely deserves recognition for that. And I think another game that really exemplifies the shift in generation, kind of like Oblivion, and I agree completely with you, Keith, the most fun thing about Dead Rising is not playing the game rather than experiencing it, as in just just be there. Just be there. Just walk around. What the hell is that? Can I grab it? Can I use it? Great. When you take the whole element of, hey, hey, you, time's running out, buddy. Uh, you can you can do this in another run. And that turned me off so much. Like every single yeah. time I thought to myself, I am enjoying the game. And the game is the worst enemy. Yeah, it's like all I game. wanted is like a free mode to just... They needed like a mode of just like see how long you can survive or something, yeah. something like well, that. Hundred percent. And I, I didn't end up. Maybe I played a little bit of two, and I never played three. But I don't know if they eventually got to those ideas. But yeah, one of the things again like this, it could only exist on this next gen console was really like the sheer amount of zombies that they could put on screen in the game was something you just never would have been able to do on the previous platform. So that in and of itself was one of those kind of early early ish next gen games and made it feel next gen with just how many enemies could be present on screen i'm trying to remember the exact number but going off the top of my head i think the achievement for ki- getting the mega buster is like you need to kill 63,000 zombies in one run like just thinking about that number of enemies wow. on screen that is it's amazing to think about one you game used that the parking garage that was that was the trick. Just go in the parking garage <laughs> and do your business. That, that's probably part of it. Just figuring out where <laughs> what's that corner. Where can you go and kind of get spammy? But another game kind of shifting dramatically, but it is on the on the more open world side. Here at number seven, we have Red Dead Redemption. I'll be honest in saying I've never played neither the first or the second, but. This was one of those games where you have GTA on the side, right? You have uh, GTA 4 specifically around this time and all that stuff. But then this game came out, and I don't remember a lot of people talking about it. I think it was years after where people really began to truly appreciate the game. And of course, I'm just saying as like one of my hobbies is just subscribing and watching gaming YouTube channels. And I feel like this game came out in 2010. In 2015, 2016, you'd really start seeing a lot of coverage of, no, you got to go to the 360. You got to play this game. Because there was a version on the PS3, but much like other games, I do believe it ran a little bit poorly. Did either of you play Red Dead? I played a little bit of the base game. For me, the thing that sticks out about Red Dead was Undead Nightmare, their add-on Halloween pack and just how good it was. It's, uh, it's one of those games that really shines of just like a game that's an 8 and then DLC comes out and it makes it a 10. That was the Red Dead experience for me. Being a big GTA fan, I was really looking forward to Red Dead Redemption. I did play through the whole game. I did play it on PS3, but it it was a really good game. Uh, and Keith is absolutely right. Undead Nightmare is probably one of the best DLCs I've ever played. Um, I remember like I wasn't even going to get it. And then I got it for Christmas or my birthday or something. I don't remember when it came out, but... Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll play it. And it ended up being like way more than I thought it was going to be. It was, you know, it wasn't as long as like the main story, but 
it it had like a lot of content to it so it was pretty pretty darn impressive for a dlc and yeah the the regular game still holds up pretty well too i think the game still looks pretty darn good considering you know we're now two generations out from it um yeah i mean now like red dead 2 although that's a game i actually haven't played yet um red dead 2 makes this game look you know completely outdated but i think for its time it was just a really like fun game and it's like if you like gta and it was just like a fun old west version of grand theft auto and it played very much like grand theft auto but was a lot of fun to just see it in a totally different context than like a modern city with cars and stuff like that it's i think to your point it's the setting that really helped it age as well as it did because by design the old west looks kind of shitty <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't age poorly as it goes on like the way that uh gta 4 is an example the way that it's gray new york didn't really age all that well like the Wild West is supposed to look dirty and sandy and crappy and like nobody else wants to live there. So it it almost like works in its favor. The fact that it it looks that way and still presents that way almost in its best way possible. No, and, and the building complexity, because you look at something like GTA 3 and yes, it's trying to look like New York, but it is a PS2 generation game. With Red Dead on the 360, there's so much open space, yeah, right? That so it, that's mm -hmm. where you can it's hide easier to make it a lot of those better. faults. And I will say those who played know, there is like a fantastic moment in that game where you first get to Mexico and it just plays this song. This song only plays once in the game as you're like heading to like into town in Mexico. It's just a really cool like atmospheric moment for the game. And honestly, I think it's one of those rare things in video games where you can't just YouTube it. Like you need to yeah, play that you, game to really to feel the weight of it. it. Yeah, but it's like one of those like if there was a top 50 moments in a vi in video games, it, like that's it's on that list without question. Now, this is one of the heavy hitters and after this we should probably talk about GTA 4, but I don't think you can talk about the Xbox 360 without bringing up BioShock. This was one of the other games where when this game came out, holy crap. It just felt like if you didn't play this game, you were not one of the cool kids when it came to like story driven games or something, because the amount of people, especially online, right? <laughs> no. And hey, hey, right. So you feel I think better we're in the purpose of or in the presence of a not cool kid. Oh, right. right. Here. You're one of those cool kids. Well, I've bought I was the one game of those cool twice kids. and I still haven't played it. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, Keith. That that's kind of shitty though, because how that does is. how does somebody buy Super a game sucks. twice, <laughs> twice? But to make you feel better, Ryan, I didn't play this game for the first time till 2018, and usually in this podcast, and we were still a cast of the past. I will say these words, which is, I'm almost thankful I didn't play a game back then, so I can experience it now. I kind of felt the opposite not going to lie, where the first half of Bioshock is amazing. The atmosphere, just everything about it. The silence to the music, to the enemy, to the design, the the, the mechanics, the combat. I'm not, I'm not going to say... The world building. Yeah, the world... It, I'm not going to say it's a perfect game, but 
this is probably as perfect of an experience as you can get. Then you can kind of feel when they thought, we got to get a little bit more time out of you. And by the last two to three hours, I didn't feel like that. And I don't feel, I don't think I would feel like that if I played the game when it came out. Keep in mind, I played so many more games by this point that I can see tropes, right? I'm like, oh, this is an outdated mechanic. This is an outdated mechanic. And I would have loved to experience it back in the day. Uh, Keith, in your case, talk to me, buddy. What do you think about Bioshock? I'm on the same page. If you are one of the people like Ryan, not in the cool kids club and have never played Bioshock, there's a moment in that game where there's a big reveal. It is totally okay to not play that game past the reveal. In fact, I think it is a better experience for it. Yeah, because credits to roll. And Amazing that's experience. <laughs> yep, and then just, yeah, just hang it up. But it's one of those games where, yeah, I think you... Pop, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but I'm going to just throw it out there. Do it. Pop culture has almost ruined the Bioshock experience where it was so innovative. It was so like it was so mind blowing when it came out with the world building and the characters and the narratives that video game culture has almost lessened it as time has moved on because so many things have pulled from Bioshock. So many things have iterated on Bioshock and so many things have tried to be Bioshock that going back to where that all started, it's almost lessens the experience now not having the experience of like playing it for the very first time back when it was first out like it, it it's it, it's a game like undertale i guess undertale would be another great example of that for me where it's just been pulled from and memed and iterated on to death yeah, to the point that, that people don't even know oh you're copying this game kind of like i mentioned yeah. before with oh it's a breath of the wild clone it's like Okay, Breath of the Wild popularized some things, but mm -hmm. a lot of these elements are not exactly new. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think Bioshock is an, like a very large starting point for a whole generation of games that followed. And it was, but at the time, it was just so phenomenal that storytelling experience up until that point, up until the big reveal, then, then you can turn it off. But just having to, um, like getting to experience that really turning the environment into a pivotal character of that story. Like you, even though you are interacting with it and it never interacts back, like I would say my favorite character of those games is Rapture and just the environment that they've built it for Bioshock and then the big daddies and having to take on the big daddies and trying to find all the creative, innovative builds that you could work towards to make fighting those big daddies easier like the combat is something that gets lost in the Bioshock conversation a lot but I'm actually a big fan of it and all of the different ways that you could play those games it really is a phenomenal game that I'm happy that I experienced before the world tore it apart I'm just curious <laughs> Ryan which which uh, versions did you buy not once but twice PS3 and PC see you, you okay. got it you just gotta play it yeah hey I haven't played the sequel so Hypothetically, a lot of just people say, talk highly of uh, Infinite. So people say like, yeah, don't play two, that. just play Infinite. Yeah, two's all right. Infinite, ah, uh, uh, I don't know about Infinite. It's, uh, I, 
in the take, take it up Ugh. with with everyone else. I have no yeah, idea. Take it up. Take it up to HR keys. Don't take that yeah, up with if, us. If anybody listening loves Bioshock Infinite, I'd love to have a conversation with it all these years later, especially from a story angle of does it hold up the way that you remember? And speaking of holding up, I think like this next game, we got to talk about GTA 4. We've gone long enough. I feel I feel, I kind of feel bad for this game because look, I was in that bunch. I I want to play this game next year, 2022 or, or uh, technically 2020 uh yeah, w- this year. I mean I meant to say that's part of the switches, right? But you have the GTA trilogy, which is GTA 3 through San Andreas. And for better or worse, we have the definitive editions. But even before then, people played that. And we have the the GTA 5 trilogy, which is just GTA 5 coming out in three different generations. And then in hey, the middle. Dr. Dre's in it now, okay? That's serious business. <laughs> yeah, yeah they just, just do online up. stories. And so exactly. That's all but then somewhere in the middle is this forgotten game, I feel, where it, I don't want to say like Rockstar just pretends it doesn't exist but it is interesting that it's between generations even though this one came out in in, in the same one as gta 5 but gta 4 at least for me i thought took away and once again i haven't played this since like i want to say seven to eight years ago because i did try to replay it i felt like it stripped a lot of the quote-unquote fun craziness that i loved from the previous games it added that Gears of War monotone color palette. And even though I liked the characters, I wasn't having a lot of fun just driving around, which to me was what GTA was. What's you guys? Someone's all you, buddy. Uh, all right. I was, I was going to be like, I'm going to take a while. So I'm going to leave. I want to okay, make sure okay, everyone people, got their words just in. grab your popcorn. Okay, right. What else do they need before they okay. hear this? No, it's, it's okay. So get your stretches in. GTA right, 4... For me, I feel like GTA 4 is like the GTA, like the hardcore GTA fans GTA game, right? Um, I've been on uh, like the GTA Reddit a lot recently because I was interested in the definitive edition, but obviously it was a huge cluster. So I was kind of trying to keep tabs on it to see if they were actually going to patch it and then I might pick it up. But I see on specifically like the GTA subreddit, there's a lot of love for GTA 4, but then you go to like r slash gaming and there's a lot more love for San Andreas. And don't get me wrong, I think San Andreas is a fantastic game. But I, what they were going for with GTA 4 was they wanted to build a new foundation for like a really strong like launching point where they had more realistic physics, realistic driving, and all the NPCs had their own schedules and did their own thing. And if you followed an NPC long enough, there was like all these like amazing details. Like if a police officer arrested someone, you could literally follow that police car and they would go all the way down to the station to like take that person in. Like there was all these crazy details that they added. And I think the story is also the best story in any GTA game. I know people call you and ask you to go bowling all the time that's something they definitely could have downplayed a little bit but to me gta 4 is a bet it's a i enjoyed it a lot more than uh than gta 5 and 5 of course the online for 5 is way better 
But I th- I didn't really like the story for GTA Five, and that's just my personal opinion. It didn't. I really... wasn't a big fan of the switching. I thought initially it was a cool concept. Yeah. After a while, I just wanted to play a story. Yeah. And it just didn't grip me in the same way that GTA Four did. Like when I played through GTA Four, I enjoyed it so much, and I realized like the different paths you could have taken with the story that I went back and like replayed the whole game almost instantly, which I pretty much never do. With any game. Important question. Do you save or kill Dwayne? I first I killed Dwayne. You're a monster. And then I went back. Son of a beast. Yeah, no, it's no going back. The only way to to play it is to kill Playboy. Yeah, for a 15 year old game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the only way to do it is to kill Playboy. That's that's the correct way. I wasn't paying enough attention to to that part. Anyway, um, one thing I want to do is I actually never played the DLC stories. Um, people, the Ballad of Gay Tony. Yeah, people say like Lost take it or damned. leave it with the Lost and the Damned, but a lot of people say the Ballad of Gay Tony is actually like peak GTA 4. So I'm really excited wow. to at some point go back. And they added a little bit more of like the bells and whistles to, to, to the ballad. Um, I think you can do like skydiving and stuff like that and that. So some of those little things that were missing from San Andreas did actually come back. And yeah, um, I will always go to bat for GTA 4. And I feel like it was, bef- you know, this was the last GTA game before Rockstar kind of lost their way and only care about online now. So it was the last time that they were really focused on creating like fun, um, like really character driven stories. And the other interesting thing about that DLC is if you play through GTA four, you actually come across those characters in the story. And then like you play the other one and like you see all the different angles of the times where all those characters yeah, by actually, the time in, this is happening. Yeah. You get to see maybe in the background. Yeah, Cause there's this, this yeah. whole story with um, the diamond. That's like these diamonds that you see at the beginning of GTA four, but you actually never get the resolution with Nico's storyline, but you do by the end of like the ballad, get the resolution with the diamonds and i actually haven't played it yet so i still don't know um, but i'm excited to eventually do that so it's cool that they had this little like through line that's with all those three stories and i think that's a better way to tell the story than just switching between three characters you know like they did in five Mm -hmm. i uh don't have much of a gta 4 experience i picked it up when it first came out being very excited that hey this is the new generation of grand theft auto played a bit of the game i the pace is significantly different like going from san andreas to gta 4 is a very daunting experience because they tried to seep it more in realism like oh a viable way to start that game is to take a cab everywhere and now you're going to go on taxi rides and stuff instead of driving around like a psychopath it's was a very different tone in that game and it kind of lost me back in the day i i went back and played it i'm probably got about three quarters of the way through enough to make the very important decision in that game that we spoke about earlier and i'm glad that ryan you've come around and make the right choice these days and be able to work like work on that and then it just kind of lost me and then by the time the dlc came out i was just so uninterested in gta 4 and I feel like they tried to land the multiplayer, but they just didn't quite get it yet. Like, I remember 
my multiplayer experience being very disappointed. I think I was playing with you, Juan, at one point, and we realized there's no military like in the online wow. and was very Holy. disappointed you just said about that? that i literally got taken back <laughs> to us in yahoo chat i think i remember i even went Holy crap. It's one of those thoughts that you don't think about till somebody says it. And I remember we got so upset because we spent hours. People, we mm-hmm. had free time, right? We just spent hours <laughs> trying to get that damn thing. And yeah, it just you, you could never yeah, scale it the, that much. The online was definitely something that needed a lot of work. Um because my cousin and I, we still had some fun my with cousin. it. Yeah, my cousin. <laughs> but yeah. We had been obsessed with GTA since Vice City. So when the and you guys might even forget San Andreas actually had a multiplayer mode that you could do. Like you would be on the you stuck on the same screen. Like you'd have to go to these little icons that were hidden around San Andreas. But it was very limited. Yeah, Didn't there was actually was multiplayer mode to San Andreas. A lot of people don't even wow. know it was there. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, and we were like, oh, that, it's like, that's all it was like, we just got a little piece of like being able to play GTA together. That's all like we ever want to do. And then so the fact that they had a free mode in GTA four online was like enough for us to just have a lot of fun. But yeah, it was super limited compared to even like the first iteration of GTA fives online was like leaps and bounds ahead of GTA four. So, yeah, the online for GTA four, not great. I may, I'll mainly go to bat just for like the single player. And look, there's we could talk about some of our favorite games for the console for hours because we haven't touched on Xbox arcade games. And this is where you have games like Bastion, which Bastion was maybe the first game that I truly fell in love with, like on the on that smaller scale. That's when I started to follow not just your score Enixes and your Capcoms, but I really started to appreciate these smaller developers. There was a game like uh, Battlefield 1943, and that's not a, mm-hmm. a, a typo or a misspelling. This was taking Battlefield in a smaller scale, but still within that Battlefield scale of it made sense with the vehicles and all that stuff. And it was Xbox Live Arcade, uh, you know, online. That and that map was one of my first burned ones. into my brain. It is one map, and I remember every inch of it. Yep. <laughs> And even though it was like kind of basic, I liked the simplicity of it. It wasn't like a full price game. It wasn't trying to be. Are there any loose ends, any other games that you, you want to just get a quick blur 360, whether it be digital or anything else? If you are a fan of GTA, Vice, like the GTA Vice City 3 San Andreas games and ever thought to yourself, man, I love those games, but I wish they had a 10 foot dildo bat in them. You need to go play Saints Row the Third. And for many other reasons beyond that, what I just said, you need to go play Saints Row the Third. That's maybe one of the most fun experiences I've had with the console, just because it is it's insane. <laughs> it's just If you think like this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in a game, Saints Row will be like, nah, we can do better than that. It's just this weird, fun story that doesn't take itself seriously in the slightest like there's a gang of lucha libre people oh those damn missions and everything oh 
and so good. You, it, it concludes in a wrestling ring being trained by Hulk Hogan, and that's just one quest in that game. It is the most ridiculous. In that game, thing. It, it really doesn't become outdated. I played it like two years ago. It's so outrageous, and you can't help but smile. It's one of those games that, yeah, you have fun, but you're just smiling from the cutscenes, the music, the gameplay. If you're a wrestling fan, you DDT people, you you suplex them. It, even if you don't like wrestling, it's just stupidly fun. So um, I'm really happy you brought that one up. What about you, Ryan? Any other uh, recommendations or experiences? Um, you know, going back to the Xbox Arcade, I played Limbo not too long ago. That's another great game that I believe first got its start on the 360. And I thought that was just an excellent little, like, very kind of dark platformer. Um, but it had, like, a very kind of unique style to it and was kind of like this little spooky platformer. But it's, uh, it's really, really cool. And I, I loved, again, kind of going to... Xbox Arcade really opened up the opportunity for these smaller, like, artistic kind of games. And this is definitely one of many that were great. And I always got to mention, of course, they had the HD upscaled Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie. Um, so just play those games. But Banjo-Tooie is a little bit what you said earlier, uh want about too much birthday cake they they went a little too overzealous and tooey but it, it is still a great game both of those games and they look they never looked better than when they brought them to 360 and of course now you can do like the rare replay or whatever but yeah and then one game i gotta bring those go play yeah. the infinitely superior banjo kazooie nuts and bolts also oh, defining that is 360 another, game. All right. Do we want to hash that out right now? That's not on my top games. Hashtag not my top 360 games. We'll, we'll save that for another quest. <laughs> I'll hate it. And once again, I've not played this game, so I, I can't judge. But I have seen a movement online that's kind of saying, hey, it wasn't, wasn't all that bad. It was just expectation versus what happened. I can't formulate any kind of opinion on this. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. I heard, I read that on the internet, people. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Think, it, it's like, think of if they made, it, instead of getting Mass Effect 3, Keith, you got, like, Mass Effect the Rhythm Game. You know, that that's what it feels <laughs> like. I, I'm just going to oh, say, I, I would be okay with that. Yeah, I would be super okay with that. <laughs> all right, yeah. To the okay, rhythm. All right. <laughs> yeah, kill the Reapers, 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 Reapers. <laughs> but no, I, I, I totally Thank understand God. where you're coming from. It, it would be it's like, like if, if they just made it, you know, like... And Master Chief's nuts and bolts, whatever. Like I, I don't care. Hey. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, let's leave Master hey. Chief's nuts and bolts out of this one. It, For that, it would be like if Zelda somewhere. came out as like a fighting game next time. Yeah. <laughs> Can that be the title of this episode? Master Chief's nuts and bolts. <laughs> I, I just love that. Right, brought up two examples, hoping we would be like. A pure agreement or disagreement it's like no mass effect to the rhythm awesome master chiefs well, yeah. both that's only because exists. everyone but cracked on mass effect 3 right like but yeah. you see it nuts and bolts was such a good idea like if you came out with halo nuts and bolts next and told me you can customize a warthog and do whatever you want with it to finish a mission i'd be like i will buy two yeah copies but that's that. like that if it sounds rad but if it replaced halo 3 right like imagine you're on the 
360 and you're waiting for that first Halo release and it's Master Chief's nuts and bolts, like, wouldn't you be like, <laughs> come on, man? Like, I would be like, you rare fanboys got Viva Pinata, so shut up oh, and let me have my nuts hardly and bolts. That's hardly a compromise. <laughs> one game, or two games I gotta bring up quickly. Uh, one just became backwards compatible, and I think I even said it on the podcast when we were still a cast of the past, like this game's never become going to become backwards compatible because why would it? Then there's this list, 50 Cent Blood in the Sand. I thought to myself, are you kidding me? Look, I enjoyed that game. It's not a bad game. It's not a great game, but it's a cheap Gears clone starring 50 yep. Cent with the worst boss fights ever, short time. And a lot of ramps. A lot a of ramps lot and a lot of, of helicopters. you got to hit all of them. All of them. Hit that ramp fifty. But it's it's a decent game. It's a decent experience, and now it's backwards compatible, and it's become one of the more expensive games for the Xbox 360. And then the other game that I really feel doesn't get talked about enough is Street Fighter Four, just because I was actually just watching a lot of documentaries about Capcom and and the shift from 2D to 3D. And Street Fighter after three really was kind of in limbo where maybe that was going to be it. Like for fighting games as a whole, we kind of forget in hindsight, we, we have like this revisionist history, but fighting games kind of died for a very long time. Like this fighting game community and all that really didn't exist for a yeah. long time. Street Fighter three didn't hit the mark. Mortal Kombat went 3D and went bad. It was, it was, there was like a dark time in fighting games. Yeah, it was, it was a fun casual time. You had your melees and, and all that other stuff. But then Street Fighter 4 came out and even I got hooked and I was never, I mean, no, not going to say never. I was a big into Tekken tag, but never as I want to get home. Tekken was in the arcade for me. It was never so much at home. But then Street Fighter 4, you and me, Keith, I mean, we spent hours. It was me playing as Sagat and just us trying to, like, outdo one another. That was a badass time. Yeah, God. Street Fighter 4, much like yourself, I was never really big into fighting games. I really enjoyed Mortal Kombat, um, like 1, 2, and 3, the 2D versions of it. But I would just play it casually with friends. Street Fighter was the first time that I sat down. And I mean, I, I imagine a lot of this had to do with Xbox Live as well. Finally having the ability to go online and play against other people and play against Ken spammers and m bison turtles into your <laughs> until to your heart's content and just having that accessibility to play this very very phenomenal like tight game that just felt so good it, it was the first time in my life i considered buying a fighting stick and if you've played street fighter 4 i imagine the thing happened to you that happened to me when Juan mentioned it and indestructible immediately started playing in your head because i think that is really break me down that that is the true legacy of the street fighter 4 like they took it out in ultra which was a crime but just that menu music of indestructible that is the crowning achievement of 360 fighting games right there it really was and ryan uh, in your case any fgc 
experiences. Um, <laughs> Why did I word it like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ever go down to the FGC no, and see Master re- Chief's nuts and bolts? Black I, is nuts and bolts. I only played a little bit of Street Fighter <laughs> Four. Uh, I was, I'm not, I'm just straight up not a fighting game guy. <laughs> what? Why did I word that so weirdly? <laughs> Because you're a weird man, my friend. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Why. But people, uh, we've had a chance to at least cover some of these games. Notice we completely omitted Mass Effect 2 or 1 or anything like that. That is because, coming up, my friends, we are going to have a full-length review for Mass Effect 2. Uh, before that, if you're on the podcast feed, we may publish our original Mass Effect 1 reveal with some modifications just because if you haven't checked that out, I think it's a really good opportunity to just whet your appetite. You can specifically hear us have the contrast with the first game's more linear approach, the, the fighting system, the action mechanics weren't as elaborate as the ones for Mass Effect 2 were, so you can check that out. And at the end of that episode, we will reveal what the next quest is going to be. Don't forget, we have five episodes available right now where we talk about the Nintendo 64, that first year, the launch lineup, the games within the first 12 months. We conclude that journey with a review of Star Fox 64. So all of that is available at youtube.com slash rewind and the podcast feed. We have this series of episodes that will take a bit of a break, a couple of weeks, as we come up with the next season, which is going to be very different. It's not going to be console-specific driven. So we're changing things up a little bit. And before we reveal it on the next episode, guys, any any teases or thoughts about what we may have coming up? It may go back two decades. <laughs> yeah, and it may, be a, it may be a prime experience. <laughs> Jeeves, people, I'm trying. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to fix the nuts and bolts of this damn thing. I'm not getting it, man. Not getting it. It's going to be really fun, though. And, hey, uh, there's a lot <laughs> oh, of games that, that we did not... Yeah, yeah, that was... People, do not let that lack of enthusiasm mark how that third quest is going to go. But yeah, believe me, it's going to be very exciting just when he throws curveballs at us like that out of total nowhere. <laughs> and we're... We were unprepared. We're not sure how much we're supposed to say. We're going to be talking about stuff from 2002. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. That may be it. But then, yeah, if if, uh, for the 360, if there's anything that we didn't get a chance to discuss... On the Discord, which if you're on the podcast feed, there's a link to join. There's a podcast-specific thread called uh, Podcast QR Episodes. You can just ask us, hey, you didn't bring up this game or something. Once again, it's so difficult to condense an entire generation's worth of games, which over a thousand of them came out in just an hour and something. So that's why we picked just a couple of them. But uh, we really do thank you for your time. If you haven't, We mentioned at the beginning, drop that five-star review, whether it be on Apple Podcasts or specifically Spotify, which that's where I listen to podcasts now. That's like the biggest podcasting platform now. And there's also the YouTube channel. We have the watch along for that E3 press conference. We got some good feedback. So shout out to uh, Backlog Kiaran and Ace Bunny and other people from the uh, Discord that checked that out. We love hanging out with all of you. So up until next time, 
the nuts and bolts of this episode has concluded. We'll be back with another episode of Quest Rewind. Nuts and bolts.